Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. You ready to dive into some Dragon Age? I'm always ready to dive into Dragon Age. All right. Well, we've got a very, very uh, full topic today, I will say. Yes, for Um, sure. lots Lots of things to talk about. So last week we did our discussion on the Maker and dove into the Chant of Light and like really what is behind the Maker and all of that. But the, make, but the Chantry and the Maker are not the only religions that exist in Thetis. And so today, I thought we could talk about the Elves. As you both know, we both, you know, really love our Elven mages. Or my Elven Rogue, I guess, is the first Elf I played. Um, and so there's this whole history behind them that is also kind of shrouded in this mystery, same way as the Maker is. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of those things you wouldn't quite notice unless you really dove into the Codex or the extra game material. Mm-hmm. And so I think we could start by maybe just getting a little overview of the Elven Pantheon. Yes, so I can do that. Um, I also think it's important to say that the Elven history that we're going to talk about is like thousands of years um, before the Chantry, before Tevinter, before Andraste, like almost 10,000 years um, is the the dating so it's like way way before um i'm not really sure of the date dating on um the dwarven culture but the elves are one of the oldest if not the oldest culture um, and religion in thetis so i think that's important to note definitely that we know about of course so the elven pantheon is called the evanuris um 
and that's that's the first pantheon, the one that that um, I would not classify them as good, but I would classify them as um, recognized. And then there is another pantheon called the Forgotten Ones, um, and that name kind of speaks for itself. But we'll get into it. So the Evanuris are composed of eight different gods. Um, and the first two are seen as like the All-Mother and the All-Father. And if you've played Inquisition, you can probably guess who the All-Mother is. But the All-Father is called Elgernon. He is seen as one of the creators of the world. He is the All-Father, the eldest of the Son, S-U-N. He is also the god who overthrew his father and now um, is seen as the god of vengeance. So um, he's not very nice. <laughs> he also is the one who enslaved a bunch of elves um, and created the Valisleen, which are the face tattoos. And if you played Inquisition um, as a elven inquisitor, um, I'm not sure if it's just linked to people who romance Solus or not. I think it might be. Um, but regardless, Solus is the one that tells you, hey, you know, these markings are like to signify you as a slave. So do you want to remove them? And he offers um, to remove them for you. So Elgernon is the one that created um, the tattoos and he's the one that enslaved all the elves. So I found a citation on the Dragon Age wiki that says ancient elves would not call on Elgernon to deliver justice for his fury would destroy all it touched. Um, and I thought that's really interesting compared to um, the counterpart to Elgernon, which is Mithal. So Mithal is seen as the All-Mother. Um, she's a goddess of love and justice, and they very much saw her, see her as a protector. Um, and they still do. There's still like lots of statues of Mithal um, around all over the place. So Mithal is protective and fierce, and she brings motherly kindness to Elgernon's destructive anger. Um... One of the Codex entries in Trespasser says that Mithal has struck down the pillars of the earth and rendered the earth their demesne unto the elves. Um, I think that's interesting because in another Codex, it says that pillars of the earth are a synonym for titans. So I know we dove into um, those conspiracy theories last time about the maker being a titan um and elgernon being the maker um so it's just interesting to have this this quote about mythal striking down a titan who could be the maker who could be like elgernon who she also has conflict with i, I just think that's a really interesting prospect i don't know if it's going to be accurate or not but we'll see anyway um it, if i could just interject yeah. a, uh -huh. a little just one thing that I noticed is like again we're talking about one of the theories talked about that Elgernon is the maker and you also have Mythal or Andraste is another incarnation of Mythal just as Flemeth is mm -hmm. um, and I just think that it's interesting here that we get 
another kind of parallel like the maker is almost seen as like this vengeful like fear driven deity who renders judgment onto creation and so is elgernon like they're the same yeah and then mythal is very similar to andraste in that andraste does take this kind of motherly figure in chantry practice and the ideas of justice and other things about that especially if you really in da origins and inquisition if you really dive into these conversations with liliana like in her understanding of who andraste is and what she fights for it very much lines up with what mythal represents that's really interesting so um we probably most of us know the story of of mythal dying um but i'll just give us the short version the short version so mythal was killed by her fellow elven gods um in their lust for power and in her time of need she appeared to flemeth whose body she now possesses um and so the murder of mythal is really what like drives Fenharel from the Ebenuris. Um, they were really, really close friends. Um, and, and so we see in throughout Thetis that the statues of Mithal very often appear alongside or near statues of Fenharel. Um, and you can find that in some of the codex entries, which I find interesting. Um, so yeah, Mythal is still was and is still a huge source of hope and inspiration for the elves, and I think it's very similar to what we talked about last week that the elves don't really worship Elgernon like then or now. Um, instead, they very much worship Mythal. They they're the ones. Mythal is the one that is really revered. Um, in their culture even and even um they're fearful of her at times because she's a god of justice um but i think she's really the deity that is most worshipped out of all of these that's so interesting because it always kind of stems from the fact because flemeth herself has an interesting relationship with the Dalish in DA2. And just this kind of respect, and I can't remember the Dalish phrase that they refer to her as, um, but they she has a name. And so I was, that just was fascinating to me because of that kind of worship and then again we get this thing of like there is like this masculine figure in the elven pantheon and with the maker but really it's this feminine person that is worshipped and practiced yeah definitely also her name um, is Asha Belinar Asha Belinar do you know what it is? which means yeah mm -hmm, it means woman of many years ah i see and i don't really know the answer to this question you might because you are the dragon age 2 simp but <laughs> who is um not who 
Do the Dalish know that Flemeth is Mithal? That's what I was kind of getting to a point. Like, it's unclear to me if they actually know that she is Mithal. I would argue that the elves in the Arbor Wilds in Inquisition, they know Flemeth is Mithal. The yeah, temp- but they're not Dalish. They're ancient elves. Right. I would also argue that no, because... I think they sense some sort of kinship with Flemeth, but I don't know if I would say that they know. Because I think she's just become kind of a legend because I guess, and this is more kind of a question, like is Flemeth the first right. person to host Mythal? I know we talked about Andraste, but like... Yeah, I guess we don't really know the answer to that question. Because Flemeth, you would know this because you have read more with Flemeth pre-Dragon Age Origins. Uh-huh. Like, how... When does she come into the picture? When is... Does she know Andraste? Who? Flemeth. Oh, no, I don't think so. So, I think Flemeth is born... Yeah, Flemeth is born in, like, the Towers Age. Um, okay. So, that's, that's way after Andraste. So it could be, I mean, again, we don't really know in the ancient age, does it say when Flemeth is dead, killed? When Flemeth is killed? Or not Flemeth, Mythal. I, sorry. Uh, no, I can't, I couldn't find that date anywhere. Okay. So we don't know. So there is this kind of thing, this thing about this elven kind of, Thing could have been happening near the same time as Andraste coming in. No, it could not have. Because the the way I understand it is um, so back elven history, you know, like the elven homeland of um, Elvenon, that's the elven kingdom, the original one, it like was established like 8,000 years um before the ancient age ends. So not even the Taventer Imperium is around then. Um, And so what kind of begins the fall of the kingdom is when humans start populating Thetis. Um, And then Taventer, by that point, they have become um, an imperium, an actual threat uh, since Elvenon is over in that area of Thetis, they have the most conflict and the most tension with Tevinter. And so eventually Elvenon falls to Tevinter um, because of blood magic always. Um, so I don't, I don't, I know that that happened way before um, Andraste and Mafarath went into Tevinter. Um, I don't know the exact years because I don't really think there is an exact year for all of that. Some of it, yes, but not all of it. So I don't think, I just don't think the dates line up for what you're trying to argue. Right. I just wanted to stop and kind of unpack those because those are the two that we hear the most uh, other than Fen Hyrel himself. Yep. <laughs> He's so a whole other topic. Yeah. So let's keep You want going. me to keep going? Yeah. 
Okay, so one of the next, actually the next two, they kind of go together, are Fallon Din and Durthamon. And um, you'll remember Durthamon because you can go to his temple in Dragon Age um, Inquisition. So Fallon Din and Durthamon are twins. Fallon Din is the friend of the dead, the merciful one. And uh, both Fallon Din and Durthamon are the eldest children of Mithal and Elgrenon. So, Falandin is the god of death and fortune, and so basically what he does is he guides the dead into the beyond. And he was eventually banished with the rest of the Evanuris, um, and so now the Dalish bury their dead with an oak staff to keep them from faltering along the paths without their guide, who is Falandin. Um, they often do, though, invoke Falandin on their deathbed or before, like, a journey where they don't think they'll come back from, and they do still refer to him as the Merciful One. Um, and I noticed this today when I was playing Inquisition. So his symbol is, like, the owl, and um, there is a huge owl statue in the Exalted Plains right outside of the very first camp that you come to. So, fun fact. So his brother, Durthamon, is the god of secrets and knowledge. Um, Durthamon wandered aimlessly until he came across two ravens. You are lost and soon you will fade. The raven named Fear said to Durthamon, Your brother has abandoned you. He no longer loves you, said the other, named Deceit. I am not lost and Falandin has not abandoned me, replied Durthamon. He subdued the ravens and bade them to carry him to Falandin. And that is from a codex entry called Durthamon, Keeper of Secrets. So the story goes, Falandin, you know, he guides people into the Fade and he spent a lot of time in the Fade. And obviously Durthamon couldn't just follow him into the Fade because he's not, wasn't like of the Fade. Um, and so these two ravens tried to trick him, but he outwitted the ravens with his knowledge um, and got them to take him to his brother. So they reunited. Um, and once they reunited together, uh, they promised never to leave one another again. Um, legend also says that Durthamon created the first Bartoral. Is that, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's that um, beast thing you fight in Dragon Age 2, right, Austin? Where um, you like have to go into the woods. Do you remember this I fight? Do not. <laughs> I'm sure if I okay, look well, it up. I'm, I'm sure if I look it up, I'll remember. <laughs> anyway, so Durthamon is supposedly the one who created that creature. Um, and then his symbols are ravens from that story, um, the bear and the Bartoral. He is often, often pictured as a cloaked or kneeling figure. Um, and I also forgot to mention uh, Mithal and Elgrenon symbols. Mithal, you might guess, her symbols are dragons and dragons in flight. And Elgrenon's symbols are fire, light, or lightning. So the next god, her name is Andriel. She is the goddess of the hunt, lady of fortune, or the goddess of sacrifice. She represents Dalish survival, 
Um, and there's actually um, like a little message over her statue in the Origins Dalish camp that says that that's what she represents. I think that's really interesting. So Andrew taught elves to really respect the animals of the forest. She was a weapons crafter and she hunted both mortals and animals. Um, Andriel's chosen or beloved was a mortal elf named Gilanon. Andriel transformed her into a Hala, elevating her to the godly rank. And so she is another one of the, the um, Evanuris gods. And um, if you remember in the Exalted Plains in Inquisition, there is um, an operation and a, like one of the areas is named, um, I think it's Gilanon's Grove or Garden or something but like also, that. also the Golden Hala, they believe is an incarnation of Gilhanan. Oh, that's what they, that's what they, they do. Say. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. They do. So, in The Masked Empire, which is one of the novels, um, Briala is in this book. So, there's another character. His name is Felison. So, he tells Briala a story about Fen Harel and Andriel. Andriel captured Fen Harel for hunting the Hala without asking for her permission, right? So while captured, one of the forgotten ones, the evil gods, found Fenharel and Andriel and swore to kill Fenharel for his crimes against the forgotten ones. Andriel and Anaris, who's one of the forgotten ones, they decided to duel each other for the right to claim and punish Fenharel. But during the duel, of course, there's a but. Fenharel told Anaris about a flaw in Andriel's armor. Anaris exploited this flaw and stabbed her in the side. She then fell. While Fenharel and Anaris argued about the terms of Fenharel's imprisonment, Andriel shot Anaris in the back with her bow. They both fell and slumbered to heal themselves. While they were both asleep, Fen Harrell chewed through his ropes and escaped them both. I like how they healed themselves by long resting. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what they did. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, though? Like, yeah. Also, how does Felisan know this story? Like, he just found it? or? Okay, well, this is a major spoiler for the book. But he's an agent of Solus, so oh, I'm assuming yeah. that Solus told him. Which is part of the whole like thing, the end of Inquisition, where they say a bunch of like elven yeah. servants and other things just like left all of Thetis, and yeah. like it's implied that they were agents of Solus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Andriel is she's the goddess of the hunt. She was obsessed with um, more and more challenging hunts. So eventually she started to hunt the Forgotten Ones in the Abyss, in the Void, um, which drove her insane. Um, and so ultimately Mathal had to challenge her, and she did, um, and she stole Andriel's knowledge of how to find the Void so she couldn't anymore. Um, so again, Mathal playing that motherly role. So the symbols of Andriel are the hare or the hawk. 
Okay, so Siles is the next one. Um, I always think that Siles is a girl. I don't. Oh, no, Siles is a girl. Never mind. So Siles is the hearth keeper or the goddess of the domestic arts. Um, they pray to her for healing of the sick and to watch over innocence. Um, here's a fun fact. I, um, was playing through DAI the other day and in the side quest, Shallow Breaths, um, which is the quest where the mom is really sick and the dad finds you and asks you to go to his son at that, like, cult in the woods or whatever and get this medicine for the mom um and so when you do it and bring the medicine back the dad it says like praise Siles um in response to you doing that for them so that totally goes in line with they pray to her for the sick and to watch over innocent um I thought that was interesting so Siles is the sister of Andriel she is artistic creative as opposed to Andriel's aggressive hunter type. Um, let's see. Her name is always invoked before a fire is kindled and after it's quenched. And the Dalish sprinkle their aravels with tree moss and ask that Silas protect them and everyone within. So there's also a rivalry between Silas and the other gods, um, which I find interesting. And a shrine of Siles exists in the Exalted Plains. So, I guess, like, lore-wise, did these gods of the Evanuris, did they exist in the, like, material plane? What is that? Like, I know, I know that, like, the Fade and, like, or, like, Thetis weren't necessarily as separated as they used as they are in present dragon age yeah but like did they reside in like thetis like the area around that like it is my understanding that they did so like it could be like when you go to the exalted plains dorian once runs remarks in inquisition that it's hard to imagine that this place was once forest, which part of that is part of the Exalted March, which we can get into later when we talk about just elven history itself. Um, so Solis, like this kind of... Sile, sorry. I'm really bad at pronunciation. Everyone just forgive me. Um, could she have been, like, that had been her domain for that kind of thing like where she resided where like like i guess that's kind of where i'm at because the maker and the chantry kind of paints this kind of transcendent idea that he exists in a separate realm from but a separate realm not only from thetis but also from the fade yeah like the maker is transcended above everything i don't think that the same can be said for the elven gods yes and because i think this is trespasser spoilers but when you go through the mirrors the uh alluvians 
they tell you that that's right. Arlathon. I think so. I haven't played Trespasser right? like in a that, long time. I'm not time, misremembering so that. I'm not totally for sure, but I think so, yeah. Like, you walk, like, the parts that you're walking through when you're trying to get to the other parts are well, the I ruins mean, of Arlathon. Well, I mean, is a real place, and we know it's a real place. Like, if you if you have the Tevinter Knights book, there's a map at the very beginning. The Arlathon Forest is on it. Like, it's, it's, it's close to Tevinter... Um, it still exists. I'm pretty sure there is a, um, one of the short stories or a couple of them are set in the forest. So like, yes, it's a real place. We knew it was a real place. Like the history is there. Tevinter used blood magic to basically sink, um, the city of Arlathon in underground. Um, so the forest still exists, but like. It's not a civilization, so to speak. So, yes, we know that it was a real place where real elves existed and lived. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a really big distinction between the gods of the Chantry and the gods of the elves. Yes. Um, Did you have other questions? No, not for that, so let's keep going. I think this is the one that you always uh, get confused on their gender. Yes, that's true. So, yes, um, the next god is definitely the one I always get their gender mixed up. June is the god of craft and building. I don't, I guess I just always assume he would be a goddess because I guess I'm assuming crafting, like being crafty or whatever, um, which is dumb. Anybody can be crafty. So, anyways, also, god, I think it's um, just because of June Carter. That could also be. That's fair. Anyway, so June is the god of craft and building um, and, like, making weapons and that kind of stuff. So there's a codex entry called June, god of the craft, and this is what it says. We dedicate all our crafts to June, for it is he who taught the people to bend the branches of trees to make our bows and to fashion coverings of furs and iron bark. Without June, would we have the Aravel or the harnesses for our Hala? So, um, there's a couple different um, stories about June. Some say that he's brother to Silas and Andriel, and then others say he is the husband of Silas. And then there's another legend that even says he created himself. Hmm. So, a lot of mixed lore there. It's a big power. Um, I know, I know, right? To create yourself. So very little is known about him, actually. And um, he appears the most seldom um, of all the elven gods in art, in literature, in legend, um, and in statues, which is kind of sad. That's so interesting because often I'm just thinking about, I don't know, many crafting in like the ancient uh, pantheons and things, but like Hephaestus in Greek like mythology he is also kind of like this outcast of the olympian pantheon like i mean there's the whole story of hera throws him or zeus throws him off the side of a mountain because he's ugly and other things like that (laughs) 
Are you laughing at that? Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I don't know anything about Greek mythology at all, so that was just kind of shocking. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not kidding. Like they <laughs> Zeus throws him off the side of the mountain and there's there's other things uh Rick Riordan in the Percy Jackson book says he takes a little liberty and says, Oh, it was actually Hera who did that and she Hera herself promotes the story that Zeus did it to make herself look better. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But I just think that's interesting because it is this thing about gods of craft and building are often masculine, actually. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. and then you have just this kind of idea that these crafters are keep to themselves and don't really mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> yes. But joke is on Zeus because Hephaestus marries uh, Aphrodite. So okay, <laughs> we're getting our lore mixed up. Sorry. Just... No, that's okay. Um, that was really interesting. So thanks for sharing. But then last god of the Ebenurus is Gilanon. Um, I mentioned her earlier. She um, is the one that's made a god by Andriel. So, um, she is the mother of the Hala, the goddess of guides and navigation. She, um, was also a huntress of the people before she became a god. She was beloved and probably the best hunter, um, of all of the people, which makes sense as to why Andriel would love her if Andriel is the god of the hunt. So, um, Andriel raises her to transform her into the first Hala. Um, and she is also, Gilanon is invoked by Dalish hunters when they can't find their way home. So she is often represented by the Hala or by a stallion. Um, and then there's, it's Gilanon's grove in the Exalted Plains. And then the last little bit of um, trivia that I have about Gilanon, this is fascinating to me. So in the Frostback Mason in Dragon Age Inquisition. You can find out Inquisitor Ameridan built a shrine dedicated to both Gilanon and Andraste. And so there's a prayer that he prayed. It says, As you were raised up from mortal men to stand with our creators, our makers, so raise me up now to defend this world. That's so interesting. Right, isn't it? Because isn't it? It is just kind of like more pointing. And we talked about this the last episode, this idea that we feel that Dragon Age as itself is pushing us to this idea that they're all right. Yeah. Um, they just don't have the full truth. But yeah. it also could point to the idea that Andraste, if Ameridan recognizes... Andraste as an incarnation of Mythal. Yeah, or even that Elgrenon and the Maker are the same god. Yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting too. Like it just it's also that's just a theme across religion. Like the creator god, the one who makes the world, tends to be the leader of a pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So yeah, that, yeah, that's true. So that's eight. That's eight, Evanuris. Mm-hmm. 
See, yeah. see, I'm learning to say it. You got it. You're yeah. good. Um, so we're moving. Do you have any thoughts about the Pantheon generally? Well, there are lots of parallels in that Pantheon to actual other Pantheons in the world. Uh, the, yeah. The main one is Norse. Uh, there's just a lot of parallels in that. The fact that Elgardon is called the All Father. Um, right, and Mithal the All Mother. Yeah. And yeah, then that's so Norse. We'll get into this when we're talking about Fen Harel. Uh, and we'll explain why Fen Harel wasn't in that group to talk about. Um, but, like, he is very obviously, like, kind of this parallel. He's mm-hmm. kind of like Loki. And so there's just this kind of parallel with that. But I just think it's interesting that the Chantry in their kind of thing, like, they don't need a deity of all of these different things because Andraste and the Maker fulfilled that. Mm-hmm. Like, their blessing is what's going to do this, whereas you can kind of tell that the Evanuris either represent or evolve out of a need of the people. Hmm. See, I kind of disagree with you because I think that the legend, um, the cult of Andraste kind of evolves out of a need of the people. Like, yeah, okay, the maker exists, but like, and we'll get into this the next episode when we talk about Andrasteanism, but like, she's just a mortal person at the beginning who has a vision and then she becomes this huge thing um that transcends humanity that transcends the mortal woman who had a vision who led an army who was murdered by her husband you know so right definitely i think i think a more what i mean more is that the elven pantheon arises like they represent a specific need of the community Whereas Andraste and the Maker are just kind of uh, encompassing all deity. Uh, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so like, of course, like, you, your hunters, they need the blessings of Andriel or uh, Gilanon. Mm-hmm. Like, they need those blessings of that and, like, the sphere that no one really invokes Elgernon because... He destroys everything. Right. Um, and just interesting things like that. Just the differences that exist there. Even though we could talk about a lot of similarities that exist, there is definitely some distinct differences that I don't necessarily think are that reconcilable with Androstianism. Between, but yeah, between the Evanuris and Androstianism. I agree with that. Yeah. But I think that makes sense because that's how people are, right? Like, if you mm-hmm. compare the Imperial Chantry in, in Tevinter with the um, Orlesian Chantry and the rest of um, Thetis, there are some major irreconcilable differences between those two. And the, the same can be said of any, like, religion and its denominations. Like, there are a lot of irreconcilable differences between Catholics and Protestants, there, yes. you know, so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. 
anyway, <laughs> we got off on a tangent a little bit. Yeah, so I think I think that's an important like thing to say is that when we say that it's pushing that they're all right, we don't want to devalue like the differences that exist between them. Right. So, there is another half of the Pantheon, which I didn't really talk talk about, and it's going to be interesting because it's going to lead into a lot of things, but they're called the Forgotten Ones. And so, let's... It's, we don't know a lot, so it'll be real quick, but let's just kind of get into it. Yeah, so there's a couple important codex entries. Um... We'll get into that in a minute, but they, the Forgotten Ones are a mysterious group of elven gods who are like the opposite of the Evanuris. And as far as we know, um, they're composed of at least three gods, probably more whose names have been lost to time or forgotten. But the ones that we know of are named Gelderon, Darenthal, and Anaris. Anaris was in that story I told earlier. So... Um, where the creators are gods of justice, knowledge, and craft who seek to guide and protect the elven people, the Forgotten Ones are a dark mirror presiding over the worst aspects of existence, disease, terror, spite, and malevolence. They serve not as shepherds of the elves, but rather as figures of fear and dread. So... The creators, the Evanuris, are gods of good things, even if they themselves are not good. Whereas the Forgotten Ones are gods over the evil in the world. And this is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's very similar to when the Chant of Light talks about the spirits being corrupted with envy, hunger, all of that. Oh, that's so true. I didn't even make that connection. Yes. And so, again, we see these demon names popping up. Disease, mm-hmm. terror, map, Spite. Malvolent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, figures of fear and dread. And so... It's just really interesting. It's also interesting... Solus's perspective on spirits as he's the one who kind of points us into the direction that demons are just spirits whose ideals are corrupted yeah um and so i think that's interesting it is interesting um but the last thing i wanted to bring up about the forgotten ones is a codex entry, again, from the Frostback Basin. There are so many interesting codex entries from the Frostback Basin and the Descent. Those DLCs, ha- and even Trespasser. There are there's so many interesting lore aspects baked into the DLC, which always makes me suspicious, but anyway. So, this is a codex entry called Gelderon's Claim. Um, and remember, Gelderon is one of the Forgotten Ones. So it's as if Gelderon is speaking. This is what it says. There are no gods. There is only the subject and the, op- and the object, the actor and the acted upon. Those with will to earn dominance over others gain title, not by nature, but by deed. 
I am Gelderon, and I refuse those who would exert will upon me. Let Andriel's bow crack, let June's fire grow cold. Let them build temples and lure the faithful with promises. Their pride will consume them, and I, forgotten, will claim power of my own, apart from them until I strike in mastery. Wow. Right? What a sick burn. Yeah. It's also interesting because I believe, and you could correct me on this, when we talked about the forgotten ones, like us together, it is also said that the forgotten ones whisper to the elves in dreams. Oh, yeah. Which is very similar to what it says that the old gods do. You know, in the same, in hushed whispers, they reach out to the people mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Things like that. That's true. So that's the forgotten ones. Um, it's kind of sinister. Yeah. It's definitely this kind of... And again, that's a Norse kind of idea because you mm-hmm. have the gods of Asgard and then you have the Vanir. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I'm not sure, which are just kind of lesser gods and are kind of looked down upon by the gods of Asgard. Yeah, I wouldn't say the Forgotten Ones are lesser. I just think that... I feel like... And I don't really know what like they used to be gods of, um, but it very much seems to me as like, oh, they're gods that they got rejected by the people. Um, they're not worshipped anymore. They like... Like the elves, the ancient elves forsook them in favor of these new gods. That's how it reads to me. They're forgotten. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I didn't mention Fenharel, and there's a reason for that. Um, Solus Mancer's out there. Don't be mad at me. I'm, I'm coming back around to him. The reason I didn't mention him before is because he is actually the only god who is considered to be a part of both groups. He is part of the Evanuris and the Forgotten Ones. Um, there's a codex entry from Finn Harrell, the Dread Wolf, that says, In ancient times, only Finn Harrell could walk without fear among both our gods and the Forgotten Ones. For although he is kin to the gods of the people, the Forgotten Ones knew of his cunning ways and saw him as one of their own. And that is how Finn Harrell tricked them. Our gods saw him as a brother, and they trusted him when he said that they must keep to the heavens while he arranged a truce. And the Forgotten Ones trusted him also when he said he would arrange for the defeat of our gods, if only the Forgotten Ones would return to the abyss for a time. They trusted Fenharel, and they were all of them betrayed. And Fenharel sealed them away so they could never again walk among the people. Yeah, that's... It's really interesting that, yes, a lot of the Evanuris do care for the people, but it's really... The stories kind of paint, like, it's really Mythal and Fenrirel who have the most compassion on the elven people. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I mean, and Gilanon, uh, because she was one of them, I think... But definitely, definitely Mathal and Fenhril. Definitely. All right. So what else about him? Um, so it's really interesting because he, 
Like I've I've mentioned um, that all the other gods, like they have a couple of different names or titles. Um, but Fenharel has like 11 million. So he's known as the god of betrayal, the god of rebellion, the dread wolf, he who hunts alone, lord of tricksters, the great wolf, roamer of the beyond, the old wolf, and bringer of nightmares. Interesting. Why do you think that's interesting? Because Solus talks about his dreams so much. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. There's a line you can ask, like, it's early in the game when you're getting to know him, and you can ask him, like, do you have any friends, basically? And he's like, of course, and starts talking about all these spirits, and the Inquisitor can say something like, like, real people friends? <laughs> And he, like, gets all offended and mad at you. So, anyway. Um, Finn Harrell. Solus annoys me in the game. Because he always acts superior, in my opinion, um, than everyone around him. But in doing this research, it made me like him a lot more. Um, so, maybe I'll romance Solus the next time I do a walkthrough. Um, but anyway, so his great betrayal, that's like the biggest thing we need to talk about, right? So he betrays both of the clans by sealing them away um, in their realms, never again to interact with the mortal world, right? This is sometimes used to explain why the elven gods, especially the creators, didn't intervene to prevent the fall of Ar Arlathon. Um the World of Thetis um, Encyclopedia, the first volume, says, Indeed, Fenharel has allegedly never been fond of the elven people and is said to have spent centuries in a far corner of the earth after his great deception, hugging himself and giggling madly in glee. I'm just picturing Solus doing that and having a little bit of a hard time, but it's a funny image. <laughs> it makes Farrick's nickname all the more relevant for him. Chuckles, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe that's... maybe that's another thing. Okay, that's another thing that suggests Varric could be the maker, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and I give a little more credence to the theory watching Varric and Solus interact with each other. But I think it's interesting that it says that in the world of Thetis. Again... Solus could be lying about being Finn Harrell. That's true. Um, again, I don't we, think that, he is based yeah. on his interaction with Flemeth slash Mythal. Right. Right. But we have established that Solus might not be the most reliable narrator. Um, but he paints himself as like, Yes, he doesn't care that much for the elven people, but he cares for the plight of the elves. And I wonder if that is like something that happens because of Mythal's betrayal. Uh, and like, not Mythal's betrayal, but like the betrayal of Mythal um, and like her death and how that affects him. And like, that was his friend. And so he wants to continue like her legacy by protecting the elven people i definitely see that um 
And I think that, like, his annoyance is less at the elven people and more at the gods. Because the gods, especially Elgrenon, is the one who enslaved the people. And they did nothing to take care of them except for Mithal. So I think, I think that that's really where it comes from instead of just like, oh, he hates everyone. Right. And I think it's more of like, he, he talks about, and again, these are big spoilers for the Trespasser DLC. But he talks about in there, it's like, what I did is I betrayed my people. Like, yes, I created the veil and I saved them from, you know, the Evanuris. But in they, but look at them now. Like, has did what I do do any good? Is kind of like what Solus kind of reveals to you in the conversations in Trespasser. Yeah, I have one of the quotes from that. Um, so obviously, in the legends, like it's just seen as oh, it was easy for him to do this, right? But in reality, like if you talk to Solus throughout the game. Um, and get some of these, like, cryptic hints. Like, it's obviously something that was very difficult for him. Like, it wasn't just easy to banish all these gods and to make this decision to do this. Um, especially if he felt kinship with all of them, I'm sure. But there is a quote that says, Every alternative was worse. So, like, any other action would have made things worse than what he did decide to do. And he, that conversation happens in Trespasser. So he banishes all of these gods after the murder of Mithal, um, which forms the veil in his view. Um, and that's really what results in like the destruction and the dissipation of the elven people because it opens them up to weakness that probably wouldn't have been able to be exploited by Tevinter. Right. Um, which is sad. And that's what causes really the Dalish now to view Solus's or Fenharel's act as a betrayal. Um, and Tamlin in Dragon Age Origin tells you that Dalish elves generally see Fenharel as an evil god. I don't think he's evil, but that's how they view him. Um, and they, it says calling upon him for aid or advice always has a cost. So, statues of Fenharel in modern Dalish camps are almost always set facing away from the camp. Right. And Merrill tells you in DA2 that the keepers wear rings of sylvan wood that portray Fenharel's betrayal. Um, and as they do this as a reminder of the keeper's duty to protect their clan from him. Yet, Fenharel continually interacts with the elves in their dreams. Oh, and Solus also claims that um, if he hadn't banished the creators, the Evanuris, he believes that they would have destroyed the world. Right. Which I totally believe. Um, and while they were still in power, um, Fenharel was the protector of the people. Um, and he freed slaves and removed the uh, Valisleen, the tattoos on their faces, um, for the elves that he freed um, from the creator's rule. So, in modern times, Solus, um, as we know, has an um, immovable dedication to restore the elves' glory. 
this has amassed him a lot of followers across the elven populace of Thetis. No one really knows how many agents of Fenharel that actually are, um, but we do know that a lot of them are across Thetis and some were even embedded in the Inquisition. Fenharel hopes to restore the people um, and the world to what it once was, the world of the ancient elves, even if it means destroying Thetis and its people, including modern elves. That was his initial plan, to use his orb as well as the Inquisitor's mark to remove the veil and restore the people after Corypheus died, unlocking its power. And so this comes back to Felisam, which you asked about earlier. So right. uh, I have one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, it's just interesting to me because when you talk to Solus, that he's so okay with using Corypheus, but he hates the Grey Wardens. Mm-hmm. And he is so appalled. I did this conversation today. Uh, he is so appalled at what the Grey Wardens try to do in Inquisition. Like, the, the anger is like this form of righteous anger, and you have no idea where it comes from. Yeah. And it is kind of just out of nowhere. Like, he just says, how dare they, you know, search out these old gods mm-hmm. and other things like that. So it's just interesting to me that he would use, he would do that. He would use Corypheus, even though he's not an old god, but he would utilize the dark spawn in his own way. Right. Well, I think that's probably why he's offended at the Grey, Warder, Grey Wardens, because... How dare they do something he was going to do, essentially. Right. I um, also think about it that Grey Wardens, like, kill, they kill the old gods. And there is this theory that the Forgotten Ones and the old gods are the same. Oh, yeah. Um, and so he is just kind of pissed that he, they're killing his friends or, and his compatriots. Yeah. That's interesting. But, but I don't really think that Fenharel would care that much about it. Yeah, I think... I'm, I don't know. I would have to do more research into the conspiracy. Right. <laughs> the head There's cannon. Also, yeah. Um, so we'll, let's continue for our last little points. Sure. Just I have one more thing to talk about with mm-hmm. Fenharel. So um, before... He decided to work with Corypheus. Um, Fenharel had um, worked with Felison, Briala's friend, to take control of the Alluvion network in order to accomplish his plan to restore the people. And so in The Masked Empire, this is a major spoiler for the book, so skip ahead like a minute if you're still reading it. But um, when Felison becomes really close friends with Briala and she's in need, Felisan betrays Solus to help her. Um, and so he gives the Luvians to Briala to help the elves of Orle. And um, in retaliation, the Dread Wolf kills Felisan and personally takes the mirrors back from Briala. Um, and that's how, that's kind of 
how the book ends. And which kind of sets up where he is at in Trespasser. Um, I think it's so interesting. Another point that I don't think we talked about is there's often a distinction between Mythal and Sol or Flemeth and Solus and how they work in that we're not necessarily clear that if Solus is a is kind of like a possessed body like Flemeth is. Yeah. Um, because he talks about how he slept and then awoke. Okay, here are two things I have to say. He talks about, oh, like, I just woke up, basically. That's how he presents it. Like, yeah, I'm the Dread Wolf, and I did all these things, but, like, I'm not this great betrayer. I just woke up, and then I helped the Inquisition. When he was doing all this crap, like, before the Inquisition really happened, like, he made these plans with Corypheus, he killed Felisan, he acquired all these agents, like, all this stuff. So, number one. Number but two, he was speaking to elves in his dreams. Okay, but... In the dreams. Still. My point stands. Number two, I find this really interesting, and this next point is why I don't believe that Fenharel is just, like, inhabiting the body of this elf called Solus. I think that they are either the same, or that Solus's body and name are... Um an extension of Fenharel. And that's because the word solus in the elven language means pride. And I think that that is Fenharel's weak point, is his pride. Definitely. I mean, you see that in all all kinds of trickster gods. Their weakness yeah. is their pride. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Well, I think we uh, take a break here and yeah, for come sure. back and talk about our person to talk about this week. Hey, welcome back. So today we're going to talk about a NPC that we're going to highlight, a non-player character or side character that you might as well, you might encounter, but you might not know a lot about. And so Shelby, who are we talking about today? Yeah, today we're talking about Marathari. She is the keeper of the Sabre clan, which is the clan of the Dalish Warden from Dragon Age Origins, and she's the keeper of Meryl's clan. So she shows up in both Origins and Dragon Age 2. Um, so she was the keeper of the Sabre clan, like I just mentioned, um, they kind of traveled all over. First they're in Ferelden, and then they end up over in the Free Marches. Um, so Duncan brings back the Dalish Warden, well, before she's a Warden, um, back to the camp. That's kind of how it all begins, if you choose that origin. Um, and basically what happens is the hero um, and Tamlin find a mirror in the woods. Um, we know now from hindsight, it's probably an Illuvion, and she gets sick. Um, and so Tamlin goes missing. Duncan goes back with the Dalish hero. And so um, Marathari is the one that 
heals them, kind of saves the day. Um, but it ends up that the mirror has infected them with the dark spontane, and so that's how that that's how that origin becomes a gray warden. So she doesn't really have a lot to do in origins like that's the end of the story for her in origins but she comes back in dragon age 2 um and basically what happens is hawk and her family and abilene are about to get killed by freaking dark spawn and flemeth saves them um if hawk will do flemeth a favor so the favor is hawk must deliver an amulet to keep her Marathari, and then the latter, Marathari, asks Hawk to perform a ritual involving Meryl. So this is, like, weird, right? Um, well, the ritual involves resurrecting Flemeth should she have meet her death at the hands of the Warden from Origins. After the ritual is finished, Marathari asks Hawk to take Meryl back to Kirkwall and doesn't specify why. Um, it later turns out that Marathari sends Meryl away because Meryl, of course, has been trying to repair the Alluvion for years. And we know, if you finish playing DA2, that Meryl never really stops her obsession with the Alluvion. Um... So, Marathari continues to discourage Meryl from her attempts to fix the Alluvion. Um, and ultimately, Marathari is also contacted by Ariani, who is a Dalish elf. Um, and she is the mother of Fainriel. So, Marathari identifies Fainriel as a Somniari a dreamer who can affect the Fade and the people in it. And that's how Fade, go, how Hawk goes into the Fade and all of that. Um, I think that's really interesting when it's, when, like, thinking about its connection to Solus. Um, I don't know if there is a connection to Solus there, but I think that Fainriel and Solus would be friends. Yeah. But anyways, so Keeper Marathari, that's, um, she's involved in Origins and uh, DA2. It's a little bit about her. Um, we don't know much about her background. We obviously know that she, um, she became the Keeper um, and she was, she was first to um, the previous Keeper. And she was actually married to the second um, and his name was Cyril. And at that time, they lived in a remote part of the Frostbacks. Um, and in the winter of 882 Blessed, they were attacked by Avar warriors, and her husband was killed. And the Keeper was really badly wounded, along with other um, Dalish hunters. So Marathari ordered the clan to go into the lowlands of Ferelden, which is where she entered the forest in search of the Witch of the Wilds. But we don't know if she found her. We can assume. But So shortly after Marathari reunited with her clan, the Keeper died of his wounds, and the Avar tribe was killed by Sylvans. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And so we know that that comes from um, the World of Thetis, uh, Volume 2. 
So that's a little bit about Marathari. We don't know a lot about her, but she's kind of an important character when you think about, like, Thetis existing still as a world, like, as a world that's not overcome by Darkspawn, you know? Like, she's the one that helps heal the potential hero of Ferelden. She's the one that um, her end of the bargain is what gets Hawk not killed by Darkspawn. So I think that's interesting that she's so connected in that way. And it makes me wonder if she would come back. I don't know if she could come back, but anyway. See, and that makes me think that perhaps the keepers of the Dalish do know that Flemeth is Mythal reincarnated. Yeah. A possession. There's a possession going with Mythal. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I remember in DA2, like, Marathari mentions to Hawk that, like, she's in the debt of Flemeth, but she never says what it is. Right. It's interesting. All right, are there any other closing thoughts you have for us? Um, No, that's all I have. All right, then. We will see y'all next week on the Dragon Age Lorecast. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at DALorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Hello, Vault Dwellers. Join me, Jackson, Sassy Lady Romer, Eric, and the creator, Maverick, as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.